0: Okay, so this is going to be the, uh, this is, I talked to my cat about whatever's on my mind, and this is going to be the GHP, uh, part two of the GHP, uh, series that I'm doing. So, for all those who are new to this, I went to GHP for social studies. GHP is the Georgia Governor's Honors Program. So, it's basically a program where for four weeks out of your summer, you go to, Berry College in North- northern-ish Georgia, and you are surrounded by a bunch of other kids who had to all work really hard to get there. And in the last episode, I talked about the process and the emotional experience that you sometimes feel as you're going through that process, because I, w- I made it in. It took a while, and yeah. So this episode, I'm going to talk about The actual experience of being there. And in the spirit of, I don't know, just, it helps me organize my thoughts. I am going to, first, I'm going to talk about what I thought was going to be before. Because I think I had some right things, some wrong things, and I want to talk about that. And then I'm going to talk about, and this is a, I'm not sure how this is going to work, but we're going to figure it out. So, I've decided that rather than just creating a chronological order list of things that happened, we are going to do talk about my experiences in four categories based on the wonderful old-timey wedding adage, something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. So first I'm going to talk about new experiences, things that like I didn't expect to happen, things that surprised me, that sort of thing. And then we're going to talk about the old. So this, this category is going to be kind of interesting. I think it's going to be a little bit of me talking about my own self clashing with um the world that i joined and also at the same time just talking about like things that i that i expected that actually were true about GHB so it's going to be a bit of both of that and then something borrowed so in this case i'm going to talk about things that i learned things that i in the in the long run have affected me through my experience at GHP that I borrowed <laughs> from from people I met there and stuff like that. And then in the last bit I'm gonna talk about something blue. And I am going I'm gonna use it more as a way of talking about my overall emotions about the experience rather than just talking about like sad things. But the point is that this format is gonna help me organize that. Um at some point I'm also gonna talk about like actual structure because I, but I think I'm going to do that during something new, so, like, the actual structure of GHP experience, I'm not just going to talk about vague things. Okay, so, to start off, when I went to, when I, throughout my childhood, when I was younger, I attended several, like, multiple week away camps that were specifically for learning, right, like, the main one is a camp called Vampy, so it's, like Duke TIP for most of the country, only it takes place in Kentucky. And you stay there for three weeks, and you learn classes and stuff like that. You pick your classes, and it doesn't have a rigorous acceptance process. It's just, are you do you have a high enough uh, SAT uh, and ACT score and stuff like that? Um, but it was my first taste of a summer camp that was specifically designed for... Gifted kids who cared about a lot about learning, and it was also my first experience with a long go away camp. Because I mean, when you're a kid, you do like week long go away camps. But I I did my, I did this in the summer after eighth grade and the summer after ninth grade, um, and a lot of my experiences there defined the way that I thought about summer camps. Because when I was at those camps, there's there are there these wonderful cultures that form, and there are. Like, you learn so much, because I took one class in Revolutions, and then I took another class in, um, my other class (laughs) was in Humanities, so I, I, you can tell where my interests lie, but, um, it was a very interesting experience, because it's, it defined the way that I, that I looked at GHP, because I was expecting a experience where I was not going to have a lot of freedom, like I like I would have some freedom, but I was assuming when I walked in that I would be told where to be at all times and that I wouldn't be allowed to have my phone, and that I would be in many ways still treated like a child, but also that I would really enjoy the learning aspect, and I figured that that would be where most of my enjoyment would come from, just because I love learning like it's my it's my thing it's why my my parents uh helped me sign up for those those the the camp for two years. But I um I I'm as as you're gonna see, uh it's a little bit different than that. But more than that, I went into GHP with a couple things that were in my head, right? One, and I I mentioned this because it was a big part of my experience while I was there, but not because it was part of the GHP experience, like innately, right? I was in the middle of a crisis of sexuality. So I was not sure what I was. I had just asked out a friend of mine and I was still unsure about what had even happened after that. And it was it was a very confusing time. And so I went into GHP unsure, vaguely pansexual and not quite sure what to do with that information. And so I decided when I walked in there that I was going to just try out different labels. Try out how I wanted to introduce myself, how I felt comfortable in an environment that was completely my own. So that was one of the main things about my GHP experience that's a little bit different than a lot of other people's, is that I went in there specifically trying to create the most authentic version of myself and put it out there and see what happened. Because when you're at the same school for 10 years at that point, you or same same school system, I should say, you kind of get given an identity by your past self, if that makes any sense. And so for me, one of the most important things for GHP was that I wanted to make sure that I went in there, the most authentic version of myself that I could be, and to try to learn more about myself so that when I came back, I would be a different person. And I am super glad that I did that because I learned a lot more about myself and I learned how to interact with people in a way that I hadn't before. And so that was, that was something that we're going to get into eventually. But that's, that's the frame that I walk into GHP with. I'm going to meet new people. I'm going to try to be friendly. I'm going to build a new person and identity around who I am now, not who I was in the past, right? And so because of that, I, when I walked into GHP, and this is where we got to something old, something new, something old. Okay, I think something old comes first. So we'll talk about the old, things that I was correct about. Um, so when I walked into GHP, the first thing that we... One of the first things that happened was... Once once the parents left, I should say, one of the first things that happened is... We were given a, a strict talking to by our lord and savior, Ricky Ricky Palmer. Uh, the the uh, dude in charge. I don't know what his title was, but he was the guy in charge. Like, if... For example, you got, like, in trouble or something, like, really bad, or you had to be sent home. He was the dude that was in charge of that. Uh, other than that, he mostly just regulated our dress code to a creepily amount, and he was a meme. Which we will get to in the... I suppose we can get to in a second, but... um, So, point is, we get a strict talking to from this this old man, and he's like... He tells us that we have to behave, and that we are young adults, and all of the same things that you get everywhere. And then he tells us something different, which I'm going to mention here just because it's for the sake of flow, but it is technically, I think, something new in the sense of what it represented. He, he, then, he tell, then he tells us that, you know, basically, <laughs> not verbatim, but here you're not special. You are just like everyone else because you worked just just as hard as everyone else to get here, and so now it's up to you to prove yourself, to take advantage of this opportunity to be surrounded by your peers and really learn and really grow. And at the time I was, I was sort of, I was believing that and everyone in the crowd was like high key into that idea. Cause I mean, gifted kids are generally kind of have a little bit of a complex where they're different than other people. It's, it's weird, but it was, it was an interesting, um, way to start because it, framed a lot of what was happening and also it set forth some of the greatest memes which I will put in the old category because every time you go to a go-away camp there are always memes when I was at vampy it was stay off the sidewalk Vamper" and stuff like that but at ghp it was stuff like that gh magic though like you put gh in front of anything and it becomes a meme so you say like gh magic or because gh magic was mentioned in the speech uh or, like, the G.H. Plague, if you were sick. Because everyone gets sick because they're coming from all around. And so it just kind of, like, the this, this sickness spreads and you get the G.H. Plague. And stuff like that. Or it was like, P- Ricky Palmer, peace and blessings be upon him. Every time you said his name, and I ne- do not remember anymore who started it, you said, and you cro- you will little prayer hands, and you were like, Ricky Palmer, peace and blessings be upon him. And as the camp came to an end, there were even religious sects that formed. or some people were doing... And i don't know what exactly the motions were because i was a purist and i stuck completely with the ricky palmer peace and blessings be upon him but there were multiple versions and there was a wonderful culture around just messing stuff up and like i don't know it was an interesting like meme environment but it was not like it was just it was better because it was longer like the camp experience was longer but As a whole, the meme experience is something that I that you get basically everywhere. When when you leave children alone, surrounded by adults that don't understand them, you end up making kids into making fun of the adults, and it's funny. Um, Another thing for the old is that RAs, as fun as they are, not all of them are cool, (laughs) and some of them are tyrannical. I was lucky enough to have a wonderful RA. Uh, Her name was Emma, and she had a seeing eye dog, and it was really cool because we were at hall meetings, and the seeing eye dog would walk around, and he was just like, she, he, Jetta, Jetta, so she, was a, was like this German shepherd, and she would just kind of like flop in front of you in the middle of these meetings, and you would just pet her while she, while Emma was telling us about whatever had happened that day, or whatever we needed to know, and so that was, I loved my RA. Like, I mean, I'm not a super affectionate person, so I don't know how much that came across to her. 'Cause I'm not girly or like forthcoming with information, but I I did respect her in a way. And but at the same time, there were also RAs that I was that I heard about that were relatively tyrannical and I would say that I wouldn't count on that, but at the same time I wouldn't count on them being amazing either, right? Because they're just people. But that is something that you should probably be aware of a little bit, is that there are definitely you're you're still at the end of the day a victim to, to humans, right? And your your, like, ability to get stuff done and whatever depends entirely on your RA in some aspects. So, I my advice would just probably be to like I don't know suck up more if your RA is insane. There's nothing you can do about it, and at the end of the day, it's really fine because you don't spend a lot of time with them. But there were some people who had really bad RAs, especially in Morgan. I was in Deerfield, so those are the two dorms there. But I was lucky enough not to have that. So another thing that was old. Let's see. Am I missing anything? Oh, yeah. The food stocks. Like, I mean, if you can buy the food, like, so Cranford is where you eat food. And so the cafeteria food is miserable. Like, it's the same thing basically every day. And there was only, like, two meals that I really liked other than, like, the pizza, which is every day. But that's sort of standard at every go-away camp because they take place at colleges. And colleges don't usually have good food in their cafeteria because it's cafeteria food. But at the same time, the good thing about this, and I'm going to mention it here because, again, for Flo, um, unlike at other go-away camps, you can spend, like, money to buy food, or maybe it's not other go camps, maybe it's just in my experience, but we could, th- there was, on the top level of Cranford because the cafeteria is on the bottom, and then the, the top level, there's the floor, the normal level, there is uh, a bunch of restaurants, and so Chick-fil-A was only open for, like, the last week of camp for us, because they were renovating, but the Chick-fil-A, there's sushi that they sell in the store, which goes out really fast after the first few days, so you basically have to, like, jog out of class, and if you're in, like, if you're acting, or drama, drama, drama drama, drama major or anything like that, where you were in a building that's far away from Krannert, you're never going to get sushi because it's, it's just, it's such competition to get it. And they only make it like once a day. So they're not going to have any more out, but the times that I got it, oh my gosh, it was so good just because like the, like the contrast, they also have a subway, I think. And then they had a Starbucks and then there was the store where you could buy not only sushi, but like, like a, like microwavable food and stuff like that, which is great. Um, be careful though, some of the food is not microwavable, it's oven made, and you just don't realize it until you try to stick it in the microwave, and then you realize that it doesn't give a time for the microwave. I, I did this to some mozzarella sticks who, some of them ended up edible, but some of them ended up, unfortunately, quite dead and uneatable. Um, it was still a good experience, though. Uh, I can tell you right now, I got really used to microwavable mac and cheese, because they sold that there too. So food-wise, that is the situation. It's, you probably want to have money. Like, like seriously, I probably spent at least a little bit of money every day on food, just because, I mean, after the first few days, the cafeteria food gets old really fast. And the only meals that I really liked was getting the like chicken sandwiches from uh, the burger place, but they only had that like once a week. And so then I would get the chicken sandwich and I would dump hot sauce on it. So I'd have a buffalo chicken sandwich and then it was all good and fine. But that was, like, one day out of the week. I think it was on Thursdays or something. But point is, food is as you could expect. It is not going to be special or amazing unless you pay money. (laughs) So that's how that is. Um, Also be warned, the lunch ladies do get mad if you try to smuggle food out. Like, a lot of people smuggled food out in the coffee cups. And then they ended up taking away the coffee cups. Like, the portable little plastic coffee cups. Because people were smuggling food out in them. So... I don't know what you want to do with that information, but just if you're going to smuggle food out, I would be careful because I'm pretty sure the lunch ladies get mad. Um, Okay, so I think if I come across anything old in my memory again, I'll bring it back up, but something new. So what were the new experiences? The first thing that I want to mention is this GHP is different from other summer camps, not so much visually but in the attitude of the people there. And I think in part this is because of the rigorous interview process, because when you interview people, you end up with a different crowd of people than if people just signed up, right? Because they have to be decently charismatic, and they have to be able to talk to people. And I mean, obviously, I don't think that's the case for all majors, but I'm a social studies major, so of course everyone around me is going to be considerably more eloquent than I expected. Because I'm, I mean, I'm eloquent, I think, but... I don't know, I, I'm i used to being in a world where people are all awkward and uncomfortable because we're teenagers, but when you go to GHP, yeah, I suppose there is some element of that, but you also end up with a lot of people who are very charismatic, and more importantly, very competent, and obviously that makes sense, but I... I don't know. When I go into places, I usually assume it's going to be more of a normal distribution curve in the in the realm of competency. But it's like everyone at GHP is at, the, is at the top. And so when you go there, you can talk to anyone about anything. And it just sort of happens and everyone connects sort of in that way. Like the first few days of GHP are magic. Because starting from even when you just arrive, people are more friendly. They're like talking to each other and they are like in acknowledging each other's existence friendly even if you guys are strangers and you've never met each other before and even more than that one of my one of the weirdest experiences that i ever had the first few days was like when you no one knows anyone when you get there because unlike with other summer camps you can't really sign up with your friends so you end up with a bunch of people who don't know anyone or people who know one or two people from their school but none of them are like their friends so everyone there is basically starting fresh and it was an experience that i was relatively familiar with because I went to a camp in Kentucky, and I'm from Georgia, right? So I wasn't expecting to meet anyone there, so I had to get used to that. But a lot of people weren't used to that. And so what they did is they became wonderfully friendly. Like, people would just kind of talk to you and be like, Hi, my name is, insert your name, what is your major? How is this like? Like, there was like a token bit of questions that everyone asked, and it became like a meme almost in that sense. Like, what's your major? What's your minor? Whatever. And so it was... It was an interesting experience in that sense. But also, it wasn't just surface-level conversation, especially among Soxed majors for me, but also among any group of people. Conversations very quickly turn wonderfully political or whatever about whatever subject you're interested in. I mean, I imagine if you're, I don't know, a, a com Arts major, you're going to talk about literature and writing or whatever. But the point is, for Soxeds at least, we had a wonderful culture of we're just going to talk about politics and stuff whenever, wherever, all the time. Like, my first few days of camp, once I had met people and... Like, even my first my first dinner was... I I, I sat with a... with A, commar- a, commar- a sock stud, so social studies major, um, from my hall named Jalon, and we literally just talked about the he- healthcare system in the U.S. for the entire lunchtime. And the people across the table from us, I think they were engineering majors or something like that, and they were just like... Well, what about... And then they would join the conversation. And they might not know everything that's going on, but there was a deep interest in understanding and communication among all the ghp years, if you want to call us that. That was really wonderful and built conversation. And even, like, if you're talking to, like, a dance major or, like, a, I don't know, a drama major, people have opinions, and they're relatively confident. And even if they aren't, like... I don't know. There's a, an attitude of openness and comfort because everyone there, they you feel like you're home. Like, from the moment you get there, you almost feel like you're always supposed to be here and this is where you belong and that you never want to leave. And I mean that even when you're there and you're kind of in a bad mood or whatever, you still feel like you're in the place where you're supposed to be because everywhere you go, you feel comfortable and welcome and there were really very few exceptions to that. Like, I can't think of a single person at GHB who I met who I didn't ha- have some positive emotion towards, and that's a weird experience because I'm so used to going places and and, and finding the diamond, like, the, the diamond in the rough or whatever, I, if that makes any sense. I don't know if that's the right metaphor, but where it's hard to find people that you want to talk to. But at GHP, although you didn't become close friends with everyone, the circle of friends grew very wide. And you knew people from everywhere, and and you'd played silent football with them, or you'd, I don't know, you'd you'd, you'd done something with them, and so now you knew them, right? And, like, in some small way, you all impacted each other's lives. And it was a wonderful experience because it was just so open and comfortable and you never felt like you were going to embarrass yourself by being earnest and interested in your subject. And you never felt like the environment was encouraging anything other than honest exploration of ideas. And and like, for example, one of the things that I found most surprising is because I live in a world where, generally speaking, earnestness and expression of honest interest is seen as kind of a weakness. And so because of that, everything, even the most honest of, of like passions is buried in ironic, like humor, or you, you make, you, you say things that are not particularly supportive of other people because you're not supposed to be, you're supposed to be a little bit edgy, a little bit like on the fringe. Right. And so I think because of that when I entered this environment of earnestness one of the first things that I wanted to do was was like hate it. And in some parts of me I still do in a way because it was I automatically associate earnestness or not even earnestness like pure openness and friendliness with disingenuous with di- disingenuity or whatever of that word is, especially for me, one of the hardest things was with, like, the girls in my hall or whatever, and I think part of that, too, was because I was going through the whole, like, what sexuality am I, and all of you are straight, and you know exactly what you are, and you have boyfriends, and you know what you want to be, and I was just here in the middle of a crisis, not sure what to do with myself, and so in part of me, I think I was a little bit jealous of that certainty and that experience, but at the same time, I also didn't trust the, like, we're all so friendly and we support each other, girl power, type thing. And I think that was something that I still don't fully trust, but that I have learned to not hate as much anymore, in part because I think that I I still do distrust parts of that, because I think it's an act, but at the same time, it was nice to also have this weird group of people that all just, like, supported each other, in a way. Even if I had no interest in actually using that support, I think it was nice to have that support available to people who needed it because there were definitely times when people were sobbing because they had boy troubles. My god, where there's so many stupid boy troubles. Oh man. And like I don't know, it was it was an interesting experience to deal with that kind of earnestness and like honesty and and openness because it's not something that I'm used to at all so it was like being bathed in cold water where you're like what is this when is someone gonna make an ironic joke why has no one said anything that is vaguely like I don't know disdainful of something like why why is everyone here so honest when are they gonna start not being being so like open and start making some kind of funny joke or something that is I don't know. It was an interesting experience for me because it was so different from my own environment. And that might be in part because I don't hang out with a lot of the more, like... (laughs) I don't know how to describe it other than, like, normies, if that makes any sense. In the sense that I hang out with a very gay, very, like, (laughs) awkward and uncomfortable group of people who are honestly probably uncomfortable with that kind of earnestness and honesty and so instead they mask it with that ironic um ironic layer of like humor or self-deprecation because it's easy right but i think that because of my experience at ggp i've learned that in some ways it is not a healthy way of dealing with you with some some passions i think that there's a line and like a, like a tightrope that you need to walk between self-deprecation and earnest interest in things, right? Because, I mean, if you're too far on one side or the other, you're insufferable. But I think that I learned that I was a little bit too far on the ironic, like, disdainful side. And through my experience at GHP, one of the most important things that I learned was how to be earnest and honest about something that I'm interested in. And not feel worried that other people are going to judge me for that that earnestness. I've used, like, the same word, like, ten times, but whatever. you get my point. And I don't know if that actually bothered a lot of other people. That could just be my experience, and lots of other people really enjoyed it, enjoyed that, (laughs) that, that, that comfort and friendliness, but I'm saying it here because I don't want them to feel alone, because I know I felt very alone in that for for a little while at the beginning, because I, I didn't know how to even express myself in that way because I was so used to expressing myself in a very different way. And so, part of my, the part that was part of the borrowed uh, part of that is I've learned how to deal with people who are earnest and also, more importantly, learned how to be earnest in myself beyond just sort of, I don't know, being insane. Because the thing is that. It's not just that you're earnest, it's that other people are earnest enough to listen to you when you talk about it, right? Like for example, one of the weirdest things about my one of the most interesting things I should say about my experience is I love language. I have created a conlang, which is a made-up language, and I am writing and I, more importantly, though, I love language. I love the linguistics of like the study of linguistics, right? But the thing is, no one else loves linguistics <laughs> where I am and Honestly, I was pretty sure that the people who other people who made conlangs only existed on the internet. But what I found out when I got to GHP, so we all had to introduce ourselves and when we were doing our, our first day in the major, and we all had to say one fact about ourselves. And I decided, just because I wanted to test it out and see, well, maybe other people had my same interest. Who knows? So I said, my fact is I have a conlang. And to my surprise, I met like four people who had all some kind of interest, and if not a fully created and, like, well-made conlang that they used and, ex- and like, expressed stuff through. And people who love linguistics, maybe not as much as me because it's, I it kind of, it's one of the things I live for besides writing and politics, it's, like, it really is, it was wonderful to talk to people who had experiences creating their own conlang and, not only had experiences, but had found different solutions to their problems than I had. And it was interesting to hear their methodology, because then I could look at their methodology and then apply it to mine. And through that experience, I actually created a whole new, much more functioning alphabet for my, for my conlang than I had before. Like, I had a completely different, super hard to memorize. Like, I, it was a mess of an alphabet before. And after learning from the experiences of a lot of the people who had created conlangs of varying kinds, I I learned that I don't know, I, I learned some some methodology that I I still use when it comes to my conlang and stuff. And now I can write in my in my alphabet and I can I have a better understanding of how other people have solved their problems. And I also know how my conlang differs from some of these people's conlings. And it was interesting to learn how my maybe my experience was, was better creating it and how some people's experiences was different. And it was just It was a wonderful experience to actually meet people who cared about the same things that I did. And on a similar note, one of the things that I loved... So uh, I guess I'll talk here because I knew about minors and majors. So... When you get there, you already know your major. And so, like, the first night you go there, you go, and you... I think it's the first night. Yeah, the first night, you go go to where your major is. And you talk to your teachers. And I can't speak to a lot of the different majors in the way they do things because every major does stuff a little bit differently. But I can tell you a little bit about some majors, so I'll try to do that in a second. But So I'm a sock stud, and so we go to... What was the building's name i don't remember anymore only buildings i really remember at this point are Cranard, deerfield and morgan but i'll i might remember it eventually i don't know you go to the the social studies building and it was an interesting like thing because it's okay we had four teachers we had april carrie elena Alay- elena i think it's elena i i know how it's spelled i don't i don't quite remember how it's pronounced and ben and so um what i found out which is a weird thing is that uh carry teaches in my county and i he interviewed me and I, and i was like i recognize you and then i realized that he interviewed me for jhp which was an interesting experience cuz i don't know it it was nice to have someone from my county who was teaching cuz i i don't know i do respect him as a person and um i don't know i think all the teachers are wonderful. That's what I want to say from right off the bat. All the teachers are wonderful. And I was so surprised at how much I didn't hate any of them. (laughs) Because when you go to school for so long, you kind of start to realize that most teachers are just, like, they're they're kind of empty. They don't, I mean, they have their job. And they did at one point probably care about education, but they've been stuck in the system for so long that they've stopped caring, right? Like, I mean, it's impossible not to, as far as I'm concerned. And I think that these meeting these people, people who not only loved the act of teaching, but loved what they were teaching, like what they were teaching about too, was really, really interesting. And it was kind of a changed the way that I saw a lot of education because because they cared so much about education and because the way that they educated us was so different, I ended up, like learning a lot more from them than I've probably learned from many of my other classes and in like anything because they were so like they did such interesting ways of teaching like one of the first things that we did in the Stockstead major is so I suppose first off I should explain the Stockstead major you have two classes a week they are taught by one of the four people each one of those four people teaches two classes every week but then you only pick like one and also to be note, there was no there's usually five, but one of them had to cancel, so there's, there's there was four teachers for us. And so you take two classes a week, uh I think they were two hours apiece, but it might have been like one and a half. I don't remember how long they were. But they were everything from like one of my favorite classes was rewriting the constitution with Ben. We we literally we're, we started as if we were at a new constitutional convention, so we had the original document and we had like our state or what we represented, you know, like, for example, we represented this, I represented the South um, as just, just because we were, I represented the South. And so we had to represent that area's interests in the convention. And also we had to um, try to rewrite the Constitution and fix problems that we saw and learn about what problems even needed fixing for me because I had never really touched the document. And so that was a wonderful class that I did for a week. So for five days we met in one of the two blocks for the classes. And so every week you had two and it was a really interesting experience to have all those interesting classes that are hands on. And so that's what we did and then for the other like third of of our class time in the mornings cuz it starts at 8 and then it ends I don't know exactly when it ends. It's hard for me to know now, but we had three blocks. Whatever whatever how much time we had, it was divided into like three blocks and it ended around lunchtime. And so the third block we would work on our big like assignment or our our big thing that our major had. And our big thing was we were doing a mock Supreme Court um House of representatives and senate and i was in the house of representatives and the house of the Repres- house of representatives and the senate both uh wrote bills that was our job so we would write bills and then we would debate them in a like a of- like an official quote unquote um like setting so we would follow all the rules that the that the actual house follows and we would try to um like make amendments to the bills and whatever which was really cool because uh, me and my friend Jalon, we wrote a uh, we closed the gun show loophole as part of one of our bills, and we got it passed. And we were in the final presentation to GHP, where we our bill was put in the final presentation to GHP. So we did it publicly at the very end. We all were part of the House, part of the Senate, part of the Supreme Court, at the very end of camp, and our bill got chosen. And it was super cool and. Honestly, through making that bill, I learned a lot more about what the gun show loophole really was, and then we had to try to solve it. And I learned so much more about that than, and and more about politics too, through that experience. Because when when you look at politics from the outside, you don't understand why maybe, for example, they just are willing to sacrifice the issues, their like their their issues and their personal. Um, personal goals or whatever for short-term gain. But when you're a part of it, like for example, one of the things that we one of the first things that happened is someone wanted to be speaker of the house, right? Like a couple people wanted to be, wanted to be speaker of the house and we knew that we were going to be voting on it eventually. And so what we wanted to do and I mean Ben and them did not tell us to do this. This was all this was all us, right? And so they started campaigning. And they would walk around from table to table, the people working. And they would be like, vote for me for, my, for the thing or whatever. And my first instinct, this is no joke was to be like, well, what can you do for me? Like, like Jaylon's over here like, what do you mean, what can they do for you? You're, like, being, like, immoral or whatever because you're being a corrupt politician. I'm like, this is politics, okay? I need to, like, make sure my bills get passed. And so we would bargain, and it was really fun, and nothing came out of it because they they shut it down, and they were like, hey, listen, the, this be running for the Speaker of the House is not a thing. You're just going to vote at one point. We're not going to have you guys causing all this conflict or whatever. But what I learned through that experience was, at the end of the day... to keep political power, you have to sacrifice things, right? And so I think I I knew that a little bit before, obviously, but it was interesting to actually live it, right? Because it's very easy because you have to give up parts of your political principles to really keep power. And I think I look at politics a little bit differently after that experience because I instantly understood that I could gain something out of their needing power and because of that I tried to game it. And I think that I don't know, I think I learned something about it that day. Also, the Supreme Court, I wasn't on it, but I have friends who were on it, and basically they did a case, so they had people do opening and closing statements, and the case that they were doing is the one, you can look at I think the Philip DeFranco show actually did a video about it, that's where I get my a lot of my news is the Philip DeFranco show, and they it's, it's about, so this, this man, he committed a crime with full knowledge of uh, his crime, like what, it, full knowledge of what he was doing, um, in, like, the 70s or 80s. But then since then, as he has been trying to go through the uh, death penalty system or whatever, because he got convicted of death, or convicted for death, or... He got the death penalty, that's the point. Um, but since his since his being imprisoned, and since he has, like... Since, since he's committed his crime, he has uh, had several strokes in which he has lost, or at least supposedly lost, his memory of the crime. And so the question is is it cruel and unusual punishment to execute someone who does not remember that they the crime they committed and so that was it was an interesting case and they 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 did it and they were like working on it or whatever uh, the outcome of the case is still not known yet but i don't remember how we ruled i wish we I wish i did i'm pretty sure we ruled that the death penalty w- was not okay in this case but i don't really remember um, it's been too long, and I wasn't part of the Supreme Court, um, what I will say, it was a really interesting experience, and one of the things that I thought was the coolest thing, too, is that, and this, this goes back to the whole idea of the earnestness, is people showed up to our freaking, like, Senate sessions, and our House of Representatives sessions, and our Supreme Court sessions, like, people from all around, like, uh, GHP, showed up to go see them and the only reason a lot of people couldn't is because the dance show was happening and they were going to that or the art show was happening and the fact that everyone was trying to go to all of these performances and be supportive was so cool because you don't expect other people to be supportive of your passions right like you expect people to be like i guess i'll show up because you're my friend and that i mean that happened probably with some people but a lot of people were just honestly interested in seeing what had happened with our ass representatives and i think that that was that was pretty cool And not only that you had like a cheering audience every single time that someone would speak about about like the speak in opposition to a bill or whatever i don't know it was just it was a really interesting and wonderful experience in earnestness and i've again learned a lot from that experience um okay and now minors so in the afternoons during just the five days of the week so uh majors also meets on saturday to work on their big project. But um, our, uh, our minors take place just during the five days of the week. And they take place. I think they started at two. If I remember correctly. And they said like two hours. So I think they ended at like four. But I could be wrong. I don't. It's hard to remember now. But what's important is we met them like uh, five times a week. And so I, I loved my, my, my minor. I chose my minor. And this is true. I I I don't know if I would do this again, but I chose my minor at the time because I wanted to play D&D. And Sockstud kids, I hate to break it to you, um, don't usually want to play D&D. And so I was like, I want to play D&D. And I am going to try to find a community of people in this mess of a place, this wonderful mess of a place that is willing to play D&D with me. And so, when they were showing us all the minors, and they were lecturing us about choosing a minor outside of our comfort zone, and like doing all of these things, I came across, or they, they, they came across, this minor called game design. And it is not what you might expect. It is not computer game design. It is board game design. And card game design. It is design of a physical game, and how games work, and why they are effective. And it was a really interesting class, and I learned a lot. But the main reason I chose it is because I wanted to play D&D. So I don't know if you would- you probably don't want to do that. Although I did, in fact, play D&D. It was a wonderful experience. I ended up DMing for- and anyone who has ever played D&D will probably know this. Like, 15 people- in a crowded public lobby in the middle of Cranford, And it was still one of the most wonderful experiences I've ever had in playing DD. Because I was the DM. I, I DM. I always... Uh, so Dungeon Master, I, I'll probably end up doing something about d for people who don't know what it is eventually. But you can probably just Google DM and then they'll tell you, like, what it is. But, um, point is that I DM'd for 15 people. And I came out being seen as a good DM by these people. And it was... It was a wonderful experience in building self confidence in that sense because not only did I learn how to control a group better, because I was DMing for people I didn't really know, right? And when you DM for people you don't know, it's easier to control them because if they're your friends and they're doing something stupid and they're trying to break past the rules of reality, you can't always control you don't you don't always want to control them, right? Because they're your friends and you don't want to be like a like a like a like a a-hole. There we go. Um, but at the same time, uh, it, was, it was also nice to DM for them because I got to test out my abilities. And because I was not surrounded by my friends, I tested out these awesome voices for the goblins. It was like New Jersey accent. And they're like, and it was completely inaccurate and wrong and insane. But it was still, it was a wonderful experience because I got to do d for a bunch of strangers and i it was the same thing i've done like it's the same quest or campaign that i've done like a thousand times like five other groups of people but it was just interesting and fun and i mean we never really played again after that but it didn't matter right because i got to do what i wanted to do and i did it in a way that i actually learned a little bit more about how to control the crowd because when you have 15 people you can't not control them like if they get rampant talking or whatever or they're all trying to do, the same, do something at once. You have to learn how to control them. And so I think my DMing style has actually changed since I did that. Because I... If you can control 15 people, you can control 5 or 6, right? And so that was an interesting experience. But more than that, the game design minor was awesome. Because it was a nice breath of fresh air after the very heavy political classes that I was doing in Sockstead. So I would go play political do political classes for like 4 or 5 hours in the morning... And then I would just get to go and play games and talk about why games are cool and create games. We actually created our own board game. Ours was called Compound. It was like a zombie apocalypse type game where you were rationing out supplies. It actually ended up really well. I I eventually am going to make a version of it like at my house, but the version that we made, um, it went with another member of my group. So, but I still have all the cards and stuff like that. And I I still vaguely remember how to play (laughs) and we wrote down all the instructions. It was a good time though, but. We also played games, and like I learned, and this is one of the coolest things. I'm just gonna talk about it here for a second because I think it's it was an interesting experience. So, I learned about three types of types of players of games, and it it helped me understand myself as a game player a little bit better. So there are spikes, Johnny Jennies, and Timmy Tammys, and I think it was based off of people playing. Magic? I'm pretty sure it's based off pe- people who played Magic, like the card game, but it's more than just that. It can be any type of game. It can be applied to anything, and so Spikes are people who are playing- so it defines why people are playing to win. Like, why are they trying to play? Because people play games for different reasons, and so Spike, Timmy Tammy, and Johnny Jenny represent the three major ways that people like to play, and it's not like you're one or the other. Like, you just- your majority one, maybe, or maybe you might just right, right be in the middle, and it depends on the game you're playing. It's- it's a lot, but the basic idea is Spikes are playing to win, and they don't care how they win. Timmy Tammies are playing for the big win, and that's all they care about. If They, they don't care how many times they lose as long as they get that one big win with an explosion or like something insane happening, right? And then Johnny Jennies are playing because they want to play it in their own way. They don't care about winning or losing. They care about playing the game in a unique and interesting way. So, for example perhaps in a shooter, like a like an RPG shooter or just a regular old-fashioned shooter, um, there e- there are spikes and there are Johnny Jennys and there are Timmy Tammys. And so the spike might choose the most efficient weapon, weapon, weapon possible. And I mean, obviously, I don't know what that weapon would be, like, because I'm not a spike. <laughs> um, but whatever the most efficient weapon possible is, they would be playing with that. Meanwhile, the Timmy Tammy might have and I'm going to use Fallout 4 here because I love Fallout 4. Um, they might have a uh, nuke... Oh, shoot, what's it called? Like, a, like, a, like a, nu- a mini-nuke launcher, right? And those things are very powerful. But also, if you're not, you don't use them right, you're freaking dead. As, along with the people that you killed. And they're really expensive and insane and clunky. And honestly, they're only useful if you're fighting like, a really intense boss. But they're going to play with it anyway. Because it is fun... And it is the way that they want to win, right? They don't care about how many times they die because they were trying to use a machine gun or a nuke launcher instead of, um, I don't know, like a more practical weapon, like a like a ten millimeter or something. And they 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 care more about the big win, right? And so, on the same token, I, if you haven't guessed it now, am a Johnny Jenny, and so. I play with whatever weapon I want, but generally speaking, they might play, for example, in a game that where a crossbow is not completely useful, but like it's not gonna kill you. They might play with a crossbow. Or for me I usually play with a ten millimeter, even though there are probably better guns that I could be playing with. Or like I'll just play with, like, certain weirdness. And this shows up in D&D, too. Like, I'm the kind of person who's not- Who, who, for example, is gonna spend two wishes turning every single person into a lizard folk because I don't want to be lonely. Rather than doing something that's, like, more efficient or does things right, I'm going to do things that are fun and weird and whatever I want to do. And thus Johnny Jenny's are probably going to be more drawn to D&D, but uh, that's, a, that's a different point altogether. Um... The point being that that was something that I learned in this class. And not only that, but we played games, and it was low-key, and the teachers were cool, and the kids were so different from my sock stud kids, which was so cool. Because I I got to, like, relax a little bit, right? Because sock studs are high-strung. They have opinions about everything, and I mean, it's fun most of the time, but it's kind of exhausting at the same time, especially because I at the end of the day, as much as I love social studies, I am not a sock stud, Not fully. I wish I was. I am definitely argumentative. But I am also a writer, and I am an artist in some abstract way. I'm not that good at art. But I, I like the the act of creation. And I am more interested in the final result than proving that I'm right. And so... I don't always fit in with that group. And so it was nice to have a completely different community. And so here I'm going to mention the advice that they'll tell you when you get there uh, about your minor. Don't pick a minor that is close in any way to your comfort zone or to your, like, ability or whatever. Not, Not your ability. What am I saying? Close to your comfort zone or close to something that you already have a scale in. It is considerably better. And it will you have a considerably better experience if you pick a minor in something so this is like a class that you do not like you don't you don't you don't sign it you sign up for it and they'll they'll tell you that you got in and that is you pick us you pick one that it's not in any way shape or form related to what you like for example honestly my first impulse when was when a, when i was picking a minor was to look for something in engineering which is game design is an engineering department um minor but For example, if you are a mathematician, maybe pick a com com arts minor, although I'll tell anyone right now, apparently journalism is freaking intense, and it is one of the hardest minors that you can have because it actually requires a lot of work. And also, for anyone who is in agriculture, um, I'm sorry. Uh, the lady is insane, so far, so far, as I hear. People were working the entire time. Same, actually, but not the acting, or drama, or whatever you want to call it. Drama, you did not have time to do a lot of things that other people had time to do. Same with art, in a sense, but I don't think it was as intense. Drama and agriculture were really hard, like, um majors, and then journalism was the hardest minor. I'm not saying that it is not worth it. It probably was for a lot of people. I am just saying that people who had who are in agriculture or drama might not want to pick journalism as their thing, because there were some people who, who were both in journalism and agriculture, and oh boy were those people busy all the time, like every day, all the time, because there was so much work. Um, and so that's what I would say is I would not probably pick those two in tandem. If you have a really easy major, go ahead pick, pick journalism as your minor, or do it anyway and just challenge yourself. I applaud you. However, I would say that those are, from what I hear, really difficult, uh, like things you have to do. Um. Okay. Let's see. What else is new? Oh yeah. Um. One of the things that I found was the coolest is. I had this wonderful group of friends. We were called the Get Rich Quick Boys. And this for very convoluted reason that I won't bother explaining. But it was... We had the Get Rich Quick Boys. And there was, like, 15 of us by the end. But it started out with, like, four of us. Um, and it start, it was mostly sock studs. Which, with a nice smattering of music majors. And, like, we had a science major here over there. But even then, they were social studies minors. Because this is how this works. We're all connected. And it was great and awesome, and we hung out, like, all the time, and we would jewel box it up, and so the jewel box is a, is a room, but also, like, it feels like more than a room, because it looks different than the rest of the building, uh, attached to Morgan, uh, it's glass, it is beautiful, and at night, or even during the day, while you sit in there, you can see the baby deer, because when you go to GHP, it's baby deer season, so there's a billion baby deer, and, uh, you can see the baby deer from the jewel box and it's wonderful and i spent so much of my time in the jewel box like you have no idea jewel boxing it up became a phrase because we spent so much time there and honestly it was it was a wonderful my friends were great and one of the best things about ghp that i was really surprised about and i'm gonna mention a few things about ghp here that are more broad. One of the things is freedom. There is this wonderful theme of just you are so free. I mean, like, there are definitely limits to that freedom and they constantly remind you of that. But for most of the day, from I think it's four or five, whenever minors end, until I mean you have hall check at seven, so you gotta go there for like thirty minutes. But then until 10 o'clock at night, besides that, and you have to eat dinner at some point, you are free to do whatever you want. And that doesn't feel like a lot of time when I'm telling you this, but honestly, I felt like I spent more of my day doing whatever I wanted than than, than the learning. And I enjoyed every bit of all of that. Like, I did everything... I learned how to play Settlers of Catan while I was there. I just hung out with some people who were Soxas who I barely talked to outside of that. And they taught me how to play Settlers of Catan. And I love that game now. And Or, like, I would... I don't know we would sit in a jewel box and play silent football, and if you have never played silent football, you should definitely uh google it and play it when you get to g h p or even outside of GHP because it is one of the best games I have ever played and ever will play and it is the best it is best learned from watching I have actually played it at every single go away camp that i've that I've been to, but I've played different versions so it's it's interesting um to say the least but it's it's a wonderful game it's kind of hazing a little bit so if you're kind of uh afraid of being embarrassed i don't know if i would play it like but it's it was a wonderful way of building camaraderie early on among people who we didn't really know and it became a staple of our friend group it was it was really one of the most important things that we did as a friend group was playing silent football at the beginning, because all of us knew how to play it, and so by the end, we played it so much that we were exhausted about it, but it was still really, really worth it, you know, and yeah, let's see, what else do we have? I talked about memes, I talked about, let's see, I have a list, um, let's see, oh yeah, there are another thing, during free time, there are, like, activities that happen, so, like, it'll be really broad too, like, it won't be a specific type of activity, so it'll be everything from, like, I think there was some stuff about celebrities, all the way to a presentation on the European far right, and I never went to any of them, so I could not tell you what they are like, because I did not attend a single one the entire time I was there. And, uh, I don't know if I would do that again, I probably missed out on a lot, but at the same time, I had such a good friend group that I didn't really want to spend any of my time doing the activities, and even if I did have time outside of my friend group, I was working on my bill, or I was relaxing because I was tired, or eating food in Cranert. Whatever I was doing, it was always really um, a valuable experience, and I think that by not going to those activities, I kind of ended up defining what those activities were for myself, right? Because we ended up just doing silent football as an as an unofficial activity all the time, or we would, I don't know, we would just do whatever we wanted to do, and it was more fun that way, because, I don't know, it was just more fun, and the performances from people were really cool, like, one of my favorite things was watching the dance performances, they, the theme for that year was, for this year, whatever, what do you want to call it, was mental illness, so they all had to make dances that Uh, exemplified those illnesses and stuff, and I can't remember, they were wearing red, whatever, whatever, uh, group that I really liked, they were wearing red, and it was really, really cool, the dances that they were doing, because I, I did dance when I was a kid, I was never to the level of these goddesses, but it was, it was a really cool thing to go watch those, or go to the art show, I, I did not expect to like the art show as much as I did, it was so cool, and they had these, like, literally the size of dinner tables, like, like, painting, or, or I think it was charcoal, actually, of, like, a, literally a a tool, it was, like, a, I don't know what they're called, um, generic tool, of, of a tool, right, they had huge charcoals of tools, and beautiful sculptures that made no sense at all, and, I mean, they made sense, but you know what I mean, like, they were, they were beyond just the normal, and, I really appreciated seeing that kind of art, and it made me value what they were doing so much. It was it was really pretty. And let's see, what else? What else were the cool exhi- exibi- exhibitions that I went to, or whatever? Oh, the acting. Some of those performances were really, really cool. Like, they had, like, these, I think as their final project, they directed and acted in these many, many scenes, like scenes from important works of uh, playwriting or whatever. And so some of them were were really cool. And I was, and you were really moved by their performances in a way that I did not expect to be moved. Uh, and you really believed in for at least for some of them that, that they were the characters that they were, right? I don't know, it was a really interesting uh, experience to go see it. And I would suggest anyone who does go not to write them off as being like that I don't know why you would maybe this is just me who again is kind of cynical but I did not expect them to be as good as they were and I did not expect to love them as much as they were but I went to several of the acting performances and I do not regret a single one and the art ex- exhibition was really pretty and I do not regret going to that the dance performances were wonderful the whole experience was just great and I hope that the So studies one was that what well, was that good too I I don't know obviously because I was in it but yeah it was good and i enjoyed it and it was it was a wonderful experience okay um i think we've run out of n- new stuff so now we're going to go to something borrowed and this is the part that for me where i where i'm going to talk about all the things that i really learned now i i think we're going to start with things i learned about myself a little bit so on the front of homosexuality because i have nothing i have, this is the book the best place i can stick it so it's somewhere between new and borrowed i am gay i did not go into ghp calling myself gay i came out of ghp calling myself very openly calling myself gay because uh i'm not like religious I'm, i mean i've technically raised catholic but i don't have like any of the catholic guilt that most people are supposed to have because i'm an atheist and i never was really that religious to begin with and so i and also my environment is super gay and accepting anyway so the only thing that I really was concerned about when it came to being authentic to my identity was finding the right label and trying to figure out how I wanted to be open. Because I don't I don't look gay. I have really, really long blonde hair. I mean, it's curly, but really long blonde hair. And I, I don't know. I feel like I look very feminine, which is, I mean, not a bad thing. I, I'm trying to move past the idea that I, I just have to, like you know, t- tell people and they'll know. But the point is, I'm not I'm not obviously gay, right? And so, because of that, I had to come out to a lot of people. And it was really funny, actually. Between weeks, I got a little bit more confident. So the first week, I was just kind of, like, silently. Or not silently, but uh, subtly asserting my identity to people. Because I was friends with a lot of dudes. And I did not want them or other people to assume that I liked them. Because I didn't. I really didn't. Like, I, I was... At the, by the time I got to GHP after the first few days, I knew that I was fully gay. Or at least I th- I'm, obviously you can never really know until you've done stuff. But, like, I was pretty sure. And so I was starting to assert myself. And then a little, then the second week, I was talking more openly about it. But I was still uncomfortable with just, like, bringing it up and it was a little bit I went through the whole thing where you're a little bit too assertive about it because you want to make sure the people know and you're not sure how exactly to go about doing that in a subtle way and you're a little bit too insecure um with the identity to just be like yeah no I'm gay so I was in that state for like the second week and then the third week I think it was the third week it might have been no it was the fourth week but no it was the third week. The third week I openly talked set up talked about it to my class right and that was cool. That was an awesome experience for me because it was, like, the first time that I'd really been talk like talked about it to a large group of people. And GHP is about as liberal as they come, so there was nothing really to be concerned about there. Um, and then the fourth week, I was just out and open, and people knew. And <laughs> a couple of the conservative guy friends that I had, because I am politically, I am economically quite conservative, while being liberal in the sense of that I value like freedom and rights and free speech and what people I want to make sure that everyone has the most rights they possibly can at all times that is generally my goal I do not care about regulation and when it comes to regulating other people's behavior the government should not be doing that. that that's where I am right so economically I hung out with more conservative people um and a couple of them it was I had these experiences it was the funniest thing so there was this guy that we hung out with the entire time his name was Roy and he was this burly, like, really burly Israeli dude. And he he was the most masculine man that I've, or dude or whatever, that I've ever met in my entire life. And he was just, when he found out that I was gay, like, literally the last day, he was like, you're lesbian? Like, he said it in such a way that was, like, super masculine and weird. And it was just funny to me, right? And I don't know, it was a good and interesting experience to come out to a bunch of people who... I mean, they none of them would expect me to be gay. It was it was an interesting experience, and it was a good experience to have because that meant that I left GHP fully confident in my identity and who I wanted to be seen as. And so when I came back to um to Sandy Creek into like my life or whatever, I was just I could just be like, you yeah, know, I'm gay, and people were like, oh, okay, and it was like I think I changed a lot as a person over that four weeks in the way that I presented myself because once I knew what I was I could not I wasn't so uncomfortable and I don't know it was it was a good experience to do it at a place where there was no stakes right because then even if I decided that the label of gay was not right for me after I left. There would be no consequences for that, right? And so I came out to my parents about halfway through GHP, that was an interesting experience. They are wonderful and accepting, and it was an interesting experience because I did it at a really weird and bad time, and I probably should have done it at a different time. But point is that it was a good experience overall, and my life is forever changed for the better because I did it. Um... Second new thing, and this is on the top t- topic of politics, so this will not be a part of everyone's experience, most likely. But for me, as someone who has never fully, was never fully confident in my opinion on social issues, and like certain political issues I was never fully confident on, um, I, when I entered GHP, I identified as purely libertarian. Like, I have always been more rights for everyone, government get out of my life, and I still am very much on that side. Like, I am not changed in that respect, but I have definitely, after going through GHP and hearing the views of other people, people who were liberal, but were not liberal in the sense that they were just liberal because they didn't like Republicans or whatever. They were liberal because they had actual thoughts for... Like to back up their beliefs, and because I could hear those thoughts, even if at the time I was not as open to thinking about it, because I heard those thoughts um and their opinions, I in the last few months have gained have gone very left, not very very left, but i have my my political leaning has definitely moved more left than I ever thought it would, right and I can think that in large part to the exposure that I got to well-educated and confident people. Like, for example, with the idea of feminism. I am not gonna claim that label, but I am going to say that my view of the concept of feminism has changed a lot as a result of some of the people that I met at GHP. And I think that... On that topic and on a lot of other topics, my mind was changed because I saw educated, intelligent people who could explain their views and not just, like, call someone bad names because they were not that few. And that's not everyone at JTweet. There are definitely <laughs> some studs who did not understand how someone could be anything other than what they were. That was definitely a group, and don't expect everyone to be freaking goddesses, but I don't know. I think... And I I went into GHP to to challenge myself, as I said. And so one of the ways that I did that, and I don't know why, it was so masochistic. I don't... I put myself in a bunch of, like, identity politics classes and, like, super, like, politically charged classes that drained me of all energy half the time. And I was exhausted and defensive because, I mean, I was intentionally challenging everything that I believed. And... It was, I I said some things that I regret because I, I was, didn't know what I was doing, and I am glad that I did that. I am glad that I made a fool of myself and got my beliefs challenged, and I felt like pain. It was physical pain to lose a lot of those beliefs that I had, but it was necessary and worth it to creating a more well-rounded person, and today I am more comfortable and confident in political discussions than I was before. Because I challenged myself, and I didn't just hide in the bubble of the easy classes that they had. I chose difficult and eye-opening classes that I said some stupid stuff in, and I am glad that I said those things. And I think that I probably made a fool of myself at the time, but I'm glad that I did, and... I guess what I want to say here is if you are conservative and you really do want to be like a more well-rounded political person, take those classes. It won't change your mind on economic issues, at least not for me, because right now, although I am, I have it on my list of books that I want to read, like I, I do want to read more about the ideologies that I claim to espouse, and that is the goal. I have some, some different uh, books on my list that I want to read, but I, for now... My mind has not been changed on the fundamentals of my economic policy ideas and even on how we should deal with social issues. I'm not sure how my mind has been really changed on that at all. But what it has changed is how I think about the opposition and how I think about the ideas behind a lot of liberal policy. And I can understand where they're coming from now. And I can see a lot more how... why why some things are necessary and i can thus be a better part of the world right i don't know i think it's made me a more well-rounded person and if you get that chance i would challenge yourself i mean obviously if you don't if that's not what you're doing at ghp don't don't i mean do what you want i am saying that as a sock stud i was challenged very much politically and that i think you could there's definitely something to be borrowed from other people's ideologies if you listen right and i suppose it's an obvious lesson but for me it was not so bo- so obvious because i don't know i live in a very liberal world and like like my entire school is very liberal and my parents are very conservative and i live in a polar polar world in my in my my personal life and so oftentimes it was easier for me to just ignore both sides because it was so exhausting to have to navigate between the two and pretend like I believed one thing one place and one thing another because it was just easier. And now I have the beliefs that I am willing to defend in both courts. And I think that that has really helped me a lot in doing that. Um, Let's see. What else? Hmm... You know, that's, I think that this that this goes into the one large point that I want to make about GHB, and that's, you will be challenged. You will be challenged beyond what you think is possible, and if you are not, then you are not in the right place. Like, you're not uh, in the doing the right things. Like, I, I think that you should be challenged when you go to GHB, because it is an opportunity to surround yourself with your peers in a way that you're never, you're never going to be challenged like that at school. Like, I mean, you can attend gifted classes and you can do all the APs and dual enrollment and work-based learning and IBE if it's something that you have the access to but at the end of the day you're never going to be mentally challenged like that not not until at least college and I am glad that I took advantage of that opportunity and I wish that I still had that opportunity to do it again and again and again and to live in that world of just, I don't know, of of really challenging yourself t- and to listen to the o- ideas of others, right? And I don't know. I just think it's important to do that when you're there. And I don't know how this applies to other majors because I am a sock stud, and sock studs are very much about ideas. But I imagine that if you were in com arts, you would be writing. Like, write write as hard as you possibly can. If you're in math... Take advantage of the project that you have to do or whatever, and really try to understand it. If you are in sci- are science do- a science major, create the best experiment that you possibly can. Whatever you want to do, do it well, and don't half, half butt it, um, because you will regret it if you don't. And I am so glad, and I am so much better, because I had that opportunity, and I took it. And, uh, yeah, um... I suppose now we're going to go into the something blue category. Because this podcast has gotten very long. But I sort of expected it to. When I left GHP, I was very unsure about how I felt. And I think in part, this is because, again, I had... This was not the first time I went to a summer camp this long. I mean, like, I went to three weeks and this was four weeks. But once you get past a week, they're all in some ways the same. And because of that, I personally didn't know quite how, I felt kind of numb, if that makes any sense, when I left, and I think, I think that's because I knew what was going to happen, I knew how I was going to feel, I knew how other people were going to feel and react, and so because of that, I kind of just shut down a little bit, not, not in the sense of, like, I can't function shut down, I mean, like, I just didn't, I didn't fully feel the weight, of the loss of GHP, until months after, and I think that was because I was, I, I had, I knew what was going to happen, and I loved my experience so much that I didn't want to taint that with too much sentimentality, but at the same time, I feel like a lot of other people did, and I had a hard time when I left GHP, staying connected with the really close friends, because I didn't, they were all so sad, and they, and they wanted me to express the sadness that i that I was deliberately pushing away, and it was weird, and I only felt that sadness literally, and this is not even a joke, like three months afterward, when I was at a math competition, and I saw a bunch of people who were who i did weren 't even my friends, they were just math g h peers from my ear and it was it was so oh God, I spent that whole day just half sobbing because it was so. I realized the weight of what I'd lost, and I don't know, I I can't, there's no advice here for that, it's just, I would say, I mean, I cried a lot those last few days, but one of the things that GHP did differently than the other camp, that I think I'm kind, it was kind of worse off for, was they didn't have... So at the other camp that I went to, there was this thing called CryFest. And basically what it was, and this is no joke, it was one of, it's one of the most, th- most important experiences that I've ever had in my entire life. They play, like, like sad 90s, early 2000s grunge music, okay, and then you just sob for, like, 30 minutes to an hour, and you all just meander around this open field in the middle of the night, not really the middle of the night, but, like, you know, like, 9, nine, ten o'clock at night, right before bed, and you just sob in each other's arms, and guys are crying, girls are crying, everyone is just sobbing, and it is this most, this wonderful expression of honest human emotion, and, like, I don't know, it was it was a wonderful experience that I had at Bampi G- uh, that really helped to seal off and help get rid of a lot of the, that sadness in a way that was cathartic before you had to leave, right? But the thing is that at GHP, they didn't really have that. Instead, you just kind of were meant to feel sad for the last few days. And, I mean, there wasn't that release. There wasn't that huge like group release, like everyone at, G- at Vampy cries at the same time, they're all, you go up to everyone that you've ever talked to, strangers even, and you just sob in their arms for a little while, and it's, it's a wonderful experience, and it's something that I wish that GHB had, because I didn't get the chance to fully comprehend my experience there, because they didn't grant me that opportunity, I just kind of cried at random moments, and it, it was not, as meaningful in that sense because it lacked that that cathartic like bang at the end but at the same time there were also moments that I had with my friends right as we were leaving we were all just sobbing and sad and those moments mean the world to me but they were few and far between and I don't know I I think that if I could, the one thing, the one thing that I would change about GHP, is if there was a cry fest type thing, and that is because I really needed that, that group catharsis to get through all of that, otherwise I, I was just kind of empty and numb, and I just kind of, I don't know, it wasn't the same, but also, I think that GHP overall means so much to me because it represents a fundamental change in the way that I was that I think because before I went to GHP I even if I didn't wouldn't have said this and I wouldn't have acknowledged this I believed that I was just I was good. I was perfectly ready for the things that I was facing. Sure I needed to do a little bit more stuff to beef up my resume. Sure I needed to do this or that I did not realize how much I was missing out on until I got back from, G- until I went to GHP. And then while well, you're there, you're talking to these people who have read books that you've never even heard of, and who have all these passions that they've been pursuing their entire lives, and they are, they are just like you, and they are so much, they have done so much more than you ever have. And I realized how much I was not doing and how complacent I'd become. And after I left UHP, and we're going to talk about this in the third part, this is going to be the main thing, is I realized what I could be doing. I realized how much more I could be doing. And I realized what opportunities I had available to me that I didn't realize I had before. And I think this was already a a shift that was happening in me. Ever since I started learning to drive and I had some kind of autonomy, ever since I, I decided that I wanted to go to a really good university and, or, or college or whatever and not just go somewhere in Georgia, that, that was stuff that was already happening. But GHP really put all that on the table and said, you got to do something with this. And I am telling you right now, that is the one, the most magical thing that happened to me at GHP is when I left, I had more ambition and fire and drive than I've ever had in my entire life. And I, in, in the months preceding GHP, I have, I am writing a book. I have written 50,000 words in the month of November. I have a blog. I have a podcast. I have, I I, I do so much. And, oh god, it's a complicated thing. But I am more capable, and I, and I know that I am more capable because of my experience at GHP. And that, I think, is what it has ultimately done for me, and something that it will always have done for me, and that I will remember it for for the rest of my life. Forget about the memes, forget about the classes, forget about the, the gripes with the RAs, forget about most people, even. What I really will remember about this is what it did to me in the po- in post, post-GHP. And that's going to be the topic for the third part. I, I'm sorry that this part took so long to make. It requires me to get back in that headspace of nostalgia, and sometimes it's painful to do that, because I miss a lot of what I, a lot of what I've lost, and it really does in some ways feel like a loss, but that's okay, and GHP is an experience that is unrepeatable, unfixable, and I only, the only wish is that I could have lasted longer, and yeah, so that is what my G experience, GHP experience was. If you have a question about something specific, you can always put it on the post that I put on Reddit. I will very much be willing to answer that in the next episode if that's something that you are curious about. Um, and I will leave you with this. When you are there, it's okay to challenge yourself to be vulnerable, to try out a new face, maybe even. Be a, a more honest version of yourself without any fear of repercussion or of judgment. Because everyone at GHP is is of that same mindset where they have been interested in something their entire life, but the world has never really rewarded them for that. And once you're at GHP and you're really there and the world starts to reward you for your passion... It will come out naturally. That's that's what I'm gonna say. Um, take advantage of every opportunity given to you. Don't waste time any time there if you can. It it is a a valuable experience, and I will. Yeah, we're gonna leave it there. I GHP, you have changed my life in so many ways, and even if I am not as active on the GHP group me anymore, or as as even talk to most of the people that I met there, I appreciate them, and I appreciate everything that I experienced, because it it means the world to me, uh, what it has done for me as a person. Okay, uh, we're done with that. I I hope you enjoyed. Um, Thank you. The next episode will come out soon. I'm going to do faster, because exams are over.